Hey everybody, Tyree here, and uh, welcome to Before I Forget. For this particular episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, some touchy topics, so I'm going to issue a trigger warning. Uh, we're going to talk about suicide, religion, and some other violent shit. It's going to be a little bit more deeper than our normal episodes. Um, if you have been having issues with uh, suicide ideations and things like that, uh, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Please like, share, and subscribe. Enjoy the show. Good evening and welcome to Before I Forget. You just jumped right into it. <laughs> what, hey, the f- <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I thought that'd be funny. Just yeah, fucking off the bat. Just fucking bam. Rah, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was uh I mean, don't even let me get my fucking my feet together or anything, man. Just I mean, get them together. We're here. Here, here. here we are. We're going. Hey, I don't know if it's me, I don't know if it's you, but I hear static, and I, I can't, I don't know if it's just in my ears, or if it's going to be in the recording. I don't know, what about now? Well, now I don't. What, what okay. did you do? The fan. Oh, that's a bummer. No, no, it's all good. It's a, hey, I sweat it out. It's hot, <laughs> it's hot in here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What are you drinking? <clears throat> the same thing I always drink when we're doing podcasts. Watermelon spritzers. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Um, what are you drinking? That sounds water. like uh, weed. <laughs> oh, no. I'm drinking water. I definitely heard a lighter, and I definitely heard the, the crackle and pop of something inside of a bowl or something. You tripping. Uh, man, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh Tripping. I, I mean, well, aren't you legal to do that? Well, yeah. All right. Well, I'm drinking Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Uh, I've been on a, a Sierra Nevada Pale uh, Pale Ale kick for a minute for some reason. Yeah, and I have some Girl Scout cookies uh, twisted up. So there you go. Here we are. Uh, with our vices. Girl Scout cookies are your vice. Not the kind you're thinking about, bro. Oh, gotcha. Right. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, you said Girl Scout cookies, and my first thought was Girl Scout cookies. And my uh, second, my follow-on thought was uh, was was Jessica's daughter sells them, or you see. <laughs> yeah, no. I can't eat Girl Scout cookies like that, though. What do you mean? Remember when you was in Germany, right before you left? <laughs> Fucking, they had all those thin mints. Yeah. I don't like 10 minutes, but yeah. I fucking dominated those 10 minutes for, for that whole time you're gone. I was lazy. I didn't want to go to the buffet. <laughs> oh, you mean like when I left, but you were still there for that, like, how long was it? Like a week or two? No, it was like a month then. No, no, no. It was like two two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that was such a wild time, dude. Like, yeah, it was. they just put us over there on con barracks and like, do what you want. It was awesome. Like, yeah, I love. I remember Sergeant Smith calling one day. He's like, "Hey, y'all, y'all coming in today?" 
I think uh, I think the best part about that was it was just so cool because we were like on that ass end of everything. We're mm-hmm. done with everything. And uh now you get to really kinda I got to explore more of Schweinfurt more than anything during that time. It was actually it would be a pretty cool little city. Yeah, man. Do you do you sometimes think that like if you went back there today, you could you would still remember how to get around? Yes, I got. I know how to get around just fine. Wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, I mean there I might think, be some I, intersections. I, I think where I'm anyway. like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I used to remember it like the um um der Alte Stadtbahnhof, the old train station. Um, I used to know how to like drive directly to that, and now I think back on it, I'm like, could I get there? Or the same with the the, the Stadtbahnhof. Um, like, mm-hmm. could could I get to the train station from now? I mean, could I make it down to Tabasco's? So what I did, I got on Google Maps, man, and I, I you know, to Street View in Schweinfurt, and I was just walking around um, on Google. And dude, it, it's I don't know, it's just really neat to see, you know, all these years later that like at least like the downtown area where like the the, the rat houses and um, all the cobblestone. I don't know, man, it was really neat. Yeah, I was um, uh, just gonna ask: Was it? Did it all look the same somewhat? Did anything yeah. change? Anything yeah. change? Any uh, technology style? Uh, no, nothing like that. But you remember? You remember downtown? Um, we used to go to that that CD store. Yes, it was like a grocery store or some shit on one level, and like the CDs were upstairs. Yeah, I went to go buy uh, some rap music, and it was labeled uh, black yeah. music. It was crazy. Black music, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was with you. Um. Yeah, man. I, I tried to find that place and the uh, the Derner place that we used to go to. Um, the city right. place is called Muller, wasn't it? Not the Muda. one that you're thinking about. It was uh, the letters were orange. Yeah, I don't even remember. The donor place around the corner from um, the Rock Corner. That was the only one I, I like personally. Town like two two buildings or two shops down from the CD place. That was that's the one I always went to. That was that was just there. okay. Yeah, it was just okay. The one around the corner from Rock Corner was the shit. The Rock Corner. I don't remember one down there. I remember the Rock Corner, and then whatever that bar was next to it, and then further down was the ice cream shop. Mm-hmm. And then the the Internet Cafe was down that way, wasn't it? Yes. And and a few nights ago, I said that there was a female that worked at the uh, Internet Cafe. She also was a waitress at Tabasco's. I don't Imagine know if that. that would help it. Yeah, I know, right? Man, I was stuck on this chick that worked at Tabasco's for the longest, dude. Um, she worked there when we left. Um, she was, I, if I'm not mistaken, she was German-American, but she, you know, lived her life in Germany. She spoke really great English. Um, I remember her name, but I'm not going to put it out there. How did she look? Did she have like a like a tan? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, well, actually, it's not a, that's not a terrible question considering that we were in area and not a lot of people know. were tan. Um, that's why I asked her. She, she was I mean, kind of like a dirty blonde, uh, I, if I had to guess. You know, five eight. I think she had like blue eyes, green eyes, something like that. All right, we're talking about two different people then. Yeah, this chick you're talking about was tan. She was tan and had like very straight brunette hair, extremely straight, like she pressed it or some shit. Hmm. Was she Turkish? I don't know, man. Could have been shit. 
Just like naturally, like olive, olive skin tone. Yes. You know, I've never understood that olive skin tone because olives are green. I don't get it either, but you know, that's what they yeah. say. People they from say the Mediterranean Jesus are green. Jesus had that skin tone on him. No, not true. Jesus was white. White. What? Uh, yeah, blue eyes. Uh, like the, like per- perfect English. Like the, like the pictures? Yeah, just like the pictures, man. Oh, man. Wow. You know, every one of those pictures of, of Jesus that's been painted, he sat there for. Yeah. He's yeah. a very, uh, very patient person. Well, you know, it's just like a new artist is like, you know, feeling inspired by by the man himself. And uh, he's like, dang, man, but I wish I, I knew what he looked like to paint him. And so every time he would just like, Whoa, and then come down and be like, what's up, dude? Sweet. Let's talk about politics. All right, then. So, <laughs> no, we've already, no, no. We, so we covered I'm religion. Good. Yeah, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> Actually, no, the, uh, it, it is funny that you, uh, you you do bring that up, though, because of the, the, the interaction on Instagram on one of my posts recently. That shit cracks me up, man. Like, like uh, what cracks me up about it, it wasn't like, you, you know, his comments or your comments. Actually, it was, it was specifically his comments. But, like... What cracked me up about it was like I'm not I don't have a big account, man. I have just over five thousand followers, and um, this dude is like coming on there and like arguing with. Um, I know, like, what did he? It was about, it was about uh, uh, sorry, first class all in cash, right? Um, we just had the anniversary of his death, and uh, the other day, mm-hmm. and I made that post, and this guy gets on there, and he's you know whatever, and I had made the comment. Um, about how uh, he was bitching about how I guess like this administration is like, you know, basically like dragging their heels trying to get you know get you know, posthumously award this guy the Medal of Honor, and you know I I, I had made the comment I I kind of don't want this administration to award it anyway, and I, and only because, I mean, president's president I don't give a fuck man honestly if you on if you think that the president runs the country you have not been paying attention to politics long enough. Um, with that being said, the president is still the representation of the American people and our country. And man, we have not had a good run. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Biden supporter. I'm a supporter of anybody that can do a good fucking job. And man, we just, I would even argue and this is just, you know, my very limited, because I, I haven't looked into it too much, but I would argue that even Obama really didn't do, he didn't really come through on a lot of his promises. His, well, his, he got hampered with a lot of shit. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> overall, I think, uh, personally, I vote Democrat. So for the majority of my opinions, are probably Democrat-leaning. Yeah. But, I mean... If you look at the whole Republican side, uh, you got your Marjorie Taylor Greens over there doing some wild stuff. Fucking, you got your that, who's that dude down there in Florida? Uh, you don't even want to get into Florida, man. Look, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat in Florida; you're fucking crazy. Yeah, I mean yeah. that whole side's crazy and nuts and a yeah. little bit fucking smelly at the same time. <laughs> and yeah. and here I am, like I, I'm, I, I think I'm more. Like I say, I'm Democrat, but I'm like maybe more moderate. I don't know. Like I, I have certain things that I agree with on both parts. So but, I think 
like the last time around, man, with, with Trump for me was just fucking, it was bad juju all the way around, man. I just can't. Yeah. And I've been, <laughs> I'm not going to get too deep into that because I know some people uh, feel a certain way about it. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's, I think Biden, Biden winning was just the better, the, the best of two evils, I guess. I don't know, man. Honestly, Which is it's a really fucked up thing to say because I hate saying that too. That's not a cool thing to say. Yeah, that. no, you're, you're you're right, but dude, that's you think about. I mean, even with with Trump and Hillary, like, you know what I mean? We we weren't presented with great options. Now, I will say this 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 last election where where Biden um, became president, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to say one because you know you know how people feel about that, but. Um, but even even this last election, there were there were people that ran. I say people. There was one person that ran who would be a stellar president, and she wasn't even invited to the fucking debates. Who's that? Be- Tulsi Gabbard, homegirl from um, motherfucking uh, Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, She's, lieutenant uh... lieutenant lieutenant colonel in the army, currently okay. deployed to uh, the Horn of Africa. Okay, I've been deployed to what the fuck. I'm just cooler. saying, man. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like. So, I, 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 all, all, all the only reason I bring that up is because I, I firmly believe to be president, you need to have served. Yeah. You know I, mean? I was just You're, gonna say. I was just gonna ask you. Do you think that that should be a fucking requirement? I think it should also. I mean, hey, folks. Like, uh, it, it's some things that you just won't learn in certain jobs and at a leadership position at the highest position, I think your, your sergeant, your, your team leader out there running shit in the middle of some wild stuff right now is probably more important to the nation than you can ever know, including the president True for that particular moment. So I think that if you have that kind of training for whatever that may be, whatever training that is and then whatever deployment that you actually use that training on, whatever it is, not just infantry. Uh, yeah, I think that would be a lot more beneficial to a president's fucking resume than anything else. Yeah, man. I would never, ever vote for another president that, hey, I was a, you know, CEO of XYZ. I'm like, man, come on. We don't need this shit. We need somebody but- with some... But you do understand, like, why that was so appealing at the time, right? Like, yeah, and that yeah was, I get, and, and, I get and it. That, and that was the whole thing, right? Like, we're going to go up there and drain the swamp because we're tired of these career politicians. And, mm-hmm. you know, the American people really are. So why not try something different? And we did. Unfortunately, um, you know, Trump doesn't know how to, you know, be PC, I guess, is, is, is a nice way of putting it. I mean, he just says whatever he wants to say. And don't be wrong, sometimes that's good. But sometimes it's bad. Um, <clears throat> unlike, you know, the current president who just rambles a lot and says a lot of just random words. It's, um, I don't know, man, it's, it's wild. That's, that's why it I is concerning. Want, <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't want him to get up there and, and read the Medal of Honor citation for uh, certain uh, all in uh, cash. Because I didn't want him to, like, fuck it up. Do you know what I mean? Oh, stutter. Yeah, I you know, like honestly, dude, it doesn't really matter who awards it. Like, he is long overdue receiving the Medal of Honor. Oh yeah, um, hell yeah, this shit should have been happening. 
Yeah, man, that should have that should have happened. I mean, he was originally put in for a silver star. And for for people that are, are listening that don't really know, uh, Sergeant Alwyn Cash um, died. Yeah, explain this shit. <clears throat> yeah, he he died. Um, well, he died of his wounds um, a couple weeks later in Germany, I believe. But uh, in 2005, October 17th, 2005, uh, his Bradley, he was a Bradley commander, um, and his Bradley was hit by uh, an IED, a roadside bomb, in Samara, actually. Did you know that? Yeah, I knew that. I knew yeah. about this. I knew he, about this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, in Samara, the same town that our unit operated in, 126 was there. We got relieved by his unit in, in February of 05. Well, that October... They got hit by an IED and his Bradley, it, it, it ruptures one of the fuel cells on the Bradley, which they take diesel. And, um, and so the whole thing goes up. Well, he's able to, to get out of the Bradley safely and he does so. And he is clean and clear, but then he realizes, shit, the Bradley's on fire and I got troops in the back and they can't get out. So he runs over there. I guess he was on fire at this point, but anyway, I can't remember. Oh, when, no, man. When, when I don't he, know. He went in, uh, he's covered with fuel initially. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, he was yeah. completely clean, completely clean before. He, he goes in there, then he gets the fuel on him, he gets a couple people out. Runs back in, yeah. now he's on fire. He's still grabbing people and taking them out, and he continues to do this while on fucking fire. It's nuts. Yeah. Jesus. So he's, he's on fire, like currently, presently burning. And and complete disregard to that man is like pulling people out. Um, I can't remember exactly how many he saved two, or three, or four. Um, but he pulled them out one by one. Like he went over there and grabbed and pulled them out of this little troop patch in the back. So for those listening, Bradley's they have the, a ramp that goes down in the back so everybody can come out at one time. And if that should fail, there's a small troop patch. And a troop hatch is how was that thing like three and a half feet tall, four feet tall? Maybe. Yeah. And so with gear on, it is a pain in the ass to get in and out of. And I say that as a six foot two person, you know what I'm saying? So obviously it's gonna be a pain in the ass for me. But I mean with practice, it's not too bad. Yeah. It's with practice. it's terrible. It's terrible, but it's not too it's not. I mean, if you gotta get your ass out of there, you gotta get your ass out of there. So yeah. to pick it, what, what you're saying is imagine taking dead weight, because I'm sure those guys weren't exactly 100% good to go. Right. And he's on fire, dragging them out of that tiny fucking hole. Man, Jesus, man. Yeah. Chills. <clears throat> and, he, and, he, and he saved, uh, I believe he saved all the dudes that were in the back that could be saved. Mm-hmm. But he, ended, he, had, he had burns over uh, 70% of his body. And... Um, and then he was uh, medevaced out to uh, Launchel uh, Medical Center in uh, Germany, where he uh, later on died. So he this happened October 17, 2005. He died of, of his wounds November 8th. Can you imagine, dude? I mean, I'm sure they kept him on, like, pain meds, morphine, or whatever the shit to, like, keep the pain at bay. But, like, come on, man. Yeah, no, it's not enough. I mean, hopefully, you know... He wasn't feeling much at that time, you know. Well, no, because you know he's he's alert. Like, it just progressively got worse. I'm assuming. Was yeah. it like a death by infection? Death by? I don't just, know. It, it it didn't say. Um, but I mean, still, he, man, 
it's 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 wild. It's wild that he did that. He put in for a silver star, and um, it, you know, I honestly at the time, I it, it probably should have been submitted as a medal of honor. It should have um, been off the bat, and I'm sure those dudes whoever did do it put it on yeah. as a medal of honor. Also, I'm sure it just got downgraded. Yeah. Because, so because politics, right? Well, so they've been pushing this whole time for it to be. Um, elevated to the medal of honor and finally it was approved that it would be done uh, that that would happen and so we're just waiting on for that to happen um for it to be awarded and i you know i i hate that that's the word they use awarded that you are awarded the medal of honor mm-hmm. uh, because like it's like it's a it's a it's an award you know you know i went to a science fair when i was a kid i didn't win but i still got a ribbon i still got an award I think it's. I think it should be pre- presented with, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. It's weird. It makes more sense to me to be for it to be presented. I mean, you present presented awards to, yeah, but just like drop the award, award, uh, award. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like Medal of Honor speaks for itself. Exactly. If you know anything we, about we, the military, you know about the Medal of Honor. Yeah, it's the top of the top of the. Basically, I mean, you have to risk your life and, and limb to save someone or complete a task. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically that's it, right? I mean, yeah, I mean that's what it comes yeah, down more to. Or that's less, what it like, down to. Um, above and beyond, like the Call of Duty, um, placing not, not the fucking video game. I hate, I hate that I can say Call of Duty and it's like, oh, the video game. Um, yeah, above and beyond, like what is expected of any, not just a soldier, but like just anybody, you know what I mean, a human. Um, to to do something extraordinary, and you know, you read some of these citations, and there's some pretty cool shit out there, man. Like they do some pretty wild stuff, and then you read some of them, you're like, eh, I mean, that's that's good. Not to downplay any of those, right? Like I'm not doing that, but like there are some where you're just like, I don't know, man. I mean, that is definitely some badass shit. But like, my my favorite one is uh, Roy Benavidez. Oh, I was gonna say the same thing. That motherfucker was fucking crazy. He was the yeah. raw. Yeah, wildest story. Like he was. For those that don't know, just Google Roy Benavidez and read about it. Like it's insane, and he lived. Okay, so he, man, I gotta. I'm just gonna look it up, man, because I, I don't want to fuck yeah, this up. Yeah, you don't want to mess this up. <laughs> but it's a, um, it's a it's a deep story, folks. It's it's uh, like human perseverance overall. Yeah, All it's it's everything. absolute insanity, is what it is, man. Um absolute insanity i'm trying to find a citation oh it's so long it's so long go for it (laughs) yeah so uh for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity um in action at the risk of his life above um, and beyond the call of duty um on may 2nd 1968 master sergeant then staff sergeant roy p benavidez distinguished himself by a series of daring and extremely valorous uh, actions while assigned to detachment Bravo 5-6, 5th Special Forces Group, Airborne 1st Special Forces in, in the Republic of Vietnam. So on the morning of uh, 2 May 1968, a 12-man Special Forces recon team was inserted by helicopters of the 240th Assault Helicopter Company in a dense jungle area west of uh, Loc Ninh, Vietnam, to gather in- intel information about confirmed large-scale enemy activity. Um, there was uh, the area was controlled by, uh, and routinely patrolled by the uh, North Vietn- Vietnamese Army or the NVA. After a short period of time on the ground, the team uh, met heavy enemy resistance and requested emergency extraction. 
Mexican Three helicopters. spice. Mexican oh, yeah. spice immediately. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, dude. When a, when a, when a recon team is like, uh, yo, let's uh, let's let's kick rocks. I don't know, man. <clears throat> Three helicopters action, but we're unable to land due to intense uh, enemy small arms and anti-aircraft fire. So Sergeant Benavidez was at the Ford operating base in Loch Ninn, monitoring the operation by radio when these helicopters of the 240th Assault Helicopter Company returned to offload wounded crew members and to assess aircraft damage. Sergeant Benavidez voluntarily boarded a returning aircraft to assist in another extraction attempt. So I mean, you think about that, man. Like he didn't, he didn't need to. He man, was monitoring no, the radio. He, was, he wasn't doing. Yeah. Shit. He wasn't. Well, I wouldn't say he wasn't doing shit, but you know, yeah, he, he like, was safe. Yeah, and he, he saw that he, shit. And he heard it, and, and he saw these dudes come in. He's, and, and he knows his maximum spice. He knows yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he's he, like, Fuck, "Here I go. Here, let's do this shit." That's it. for me. Hats off. Thank you. Yeah, man. Like you, 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 you know damn well he didn't sit there and be like, mm, "I don't know, man. If I go, I might die." But like, they did just serve banana pudding in the defac. Yeah. I don't know, man. This this is a tough decision. He was just like, I guarantee you, he was just like, "Fuck it, let's do it." Mm-hmm. Um. So so he voluntarily boarded this uh, returning aircraft, uh, and then so realizing that all the team members were either dead or wounded and unable to move to the pickup zone. He directed the aircraft to a nearby clearing where he jumped from the hovering helicopter and and ran approximately 75 meters under withering small arms fire to a crippled team. So he's also going in knowing that, like, everybody he's going there to get is probably dead uh, or wounded and soon to be dead. Mm -hmm. And and we have this thing in the military. uh, No one left behind. Right. We don't we don't do that sort of thing. Um, So like he's fully like I'm alive, but like. Our boys are there, and they need to come back this way. Yep. So jumps out of a hovering helicopter, if I had to guess, probably 10, 15 feet, and hauls balls, you know, across 75 feet of uh, um, fucking, you know, small arms fire. So it says prior to reaching the team's position, he was wounded in his right leg, face, and head. All right, so automatically wounded. Those are devastating fucking wounds when you're trying to move, man. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Exactly, man. Um, <laughs> fuck, I'm shot in the leg. I guess I'll keep running. You yeah. I mean? Said nobody except Roy Benavidez. Yeah, yeah, shot in the face. What? What? All right. Yeah, flesh wounds. Just keep, keep moving. Keep moving. He was probably like, I've had worse injuries when I shave. Shit happens. Yeah. Shit happens. Yeah. Not a biggie. Yeah. It says, uh, despite these painful injuries, he took charge, repositioning the team members and directing their fire to facilities... I'm sorry, to facilitate the landing of an extraction aircraft and the loading of wounded and dead team members. He then threw smoke canisters to direct the aircraft to the team's position. Despite his severe wounds and under intense enemy fire, he carried and dragged half of the wounded team uh, team members to the awaiting aircraft. So shot in the leg, shot in the face, uh, shot in the head, or wounds to his face and head, carries half of the team to the extraction helicopter. With, with just those wounds. And it, gets, and it gets better, or worse, or better, however you want to look at it. He then provided protective fire by running alongside the aircraft as it moved to pick up the remaining team members. So he, there he is, a helicopter, and then him. And he's running alongside this fucking thing, just like laying down suppressed with fire. One guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Still out there doing it. I mean, I, I don't get it, man. I mean. It's insane. You know, it's it's a level. It ain't of even done. It ain't even done. That's yeah. the thing. We're not even. Yeah, we're not even to the good stuff. 
Um, the juicy, juicy part. Juicy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as the enemy's uh, fire intensified, right? Because he's he's covering for a helicopter on. He's like in front of it or some shit, being like, "No, shoot at me, motherfucker." Um, as the enemy's fire intensified, he hurried to recover the body and classified documents on the dead team leader. Mm. So, you know, there he is getting the body and important intel. When he reached the leader's body, Sergeant Benavidez was severely wounded by small arms fire in the abdomen and grenade fragments in his back. So now, gunshot wound to the leg, wounds to the face and head, and now he's shot in the stomach. You know how how painful a shot to the stomach is? You know how hard it is to move all your other limbs without engaging that core? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Like, you... So your core, you think about it, man. Like, your core, your your rectus abdominis, and then your obliques, or your rectus abdominis is your six-pack or whatever, right? Whatever you have. And then your obliques, they are directly responsible for holding your body upright. Obviously, your your lower... Your your back, too, right? So your erector spinae, the, the muscle group that runs up and down your spine. Um, and guess what? That mute muscle group got hit also. Yeah, so by shrapnel. So now he's got a wounded leg, busted face, shot through the gut, fucking shrapnel in the back. And he's like, hey, man, the, the show must go on. Yeah. At nearly the same moment, the aircraft pilot was mortally wounded and his helicopter crashed. Although in extremely critical condition due to his multiple wounds, Sergeant Benavidez secured the classified documents and made his way back to the wreckage where he aided the wounded out of the overturned aircraft and gathered the stunned survivors into a defensive perimeter. He saved the motherfuckers twice. Again. One more time. One more time. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Um, I'm not doing nothing later. No match don't come on until nine. It's Wednesday two for one. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At the Rock Fabrique. Uh, under increasing enemy automatic weapons and grenade fire, he moved around the perimeter, distributing water and ammunition to his weary men, reinstilling in them uh, a will to live and fight. Facing a buildup of enemy opposition with, uh, with a, a beleaguered team, Sergeant Benavidez mustered his strength, began calling in tactical airstrikes, and directed the fire from supporting gunships to suppress the enemy's fire and, so, uh, and to permit another extraction attempt. So there they are. Busted ass helicopter, shit's blowing up left and right, fucking bullets literally everywhere. So many bullets, it's it's probably cutting the grass. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, doing a much better job than my my riding lawnmower does. And he's there, wounded in the leg, wounded in the face, shot through the gut, shrapnel in the back, shit's blowing up. He's on the fucking mic, being like, "Hey, you uh, you got ordnance up there? You mind dropping on this tree line?" Hey guys, hey guys, no, 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 keep, keep, fuck, fuck these motherfuckers, we're living, we're living, they're dying, wild, he's, hmm. so <clears throat> while all that's going on, he's wounded again in his thigh by small arms fire, uh, while administering first aid to a wounded team, a team member just before another extraction helicopter is able to land, so he is, he's actively saving another dude's life while he himself is uh, dying, you know what I mean? I mean, a shot to yeah. the gut, dude. Like, you don't know what, what kind of damage is causing there because you've got a lot of important shit in there. Mm-hmm. You don't know if uh, it ricocheted off of something. It's, yeah, it man. could be a, a fun house of crap going on in there. Right. Yeah, you don't, you don't know what's going on in there. And so while all that's going on, he's shot in the thigh. Now you think, oh, man, shot in the thigh. There's a lot of meat in that area. You're right. 
that's a very meaty area. And those muscles are big for a reason, right? Those are your primary movers um, when it comes to like running and jumping and shit like that. And so now he's got a fucking bullet through one of those. Yeah. Um, so on it's his like second a zombie by now, probably. I mean, dude, he's probably so fucking amped right now. He's just like, woo! <laughs> he's getting him some. Meanwhile, um, he's getting shot the fuck up like a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so his indomitable spirit kept him going, speaking of which, kept him going as he began to ferry his comrades to the new uh, extraction aircraft. On his second trip with the wounded, he was clubbed from behind. This is insane to me. This part is insane to me because I, he's, it's just insane to me. He was clubbed from behind. So the enemy was so close to him that they were able to swing their fucking, I'm assuming AK or whatever it was, and bash him in the back of the head that he's already been wounded in. You know what I mean? Already wounded in the head, and this dude wants to pop up and fucking smack him in the back of it. So clubs him in the back of the head. In the ensuing hand-to-hand combat, he sustained additional wounds to his head and arms before killing his adversary. Shot in the leg twice. Right leg, thigh, shot through the abdomen, shrapnel in his back, wounds in his face, and now he's got a fucking a neat little knot on the back of his head, and he still manages to fuck this little guy up. That's as, you know, when they say close him with the enemy and destroy him? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus. You can't get any more close than that. Yeah, no, I mean, you that's, are. That's from, that's literally from being sitting behind a radio yeah. To maybe a few hours later, uh, you shot the fuck up and you just killed this man with your bare hands. You know, and whenever people say bare hands, my first thought is like a bear, like growl bear. <laughs> um, and I always say, like, how can I do it with my bare hands? I only have these human hands. But I promise you, this day, on this day, Roy Benavidez had legit bear fucking hands. <clears throat> it's wild to me, man. So, yeah. so he kills this guy. I'm I'm going to assume he fucking I gouged him. I hope so. Um, he then continued under devastating fire to carry the wounded to the new helicopter. Upon reaching the aircraft, he spotted and killed two enemy soldiers who were rushing the aircraft from an angle that prevented the aircraft door gunner from firing upon them. Jobs With little strength, not done. <laughs> Hell no, man. He's like, what's two more? Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, with little strength remaining, he made one last trip to the perimeter. All right, so this is after he's already attempted to save these dudes one time. No, not one time, two times. And now he's like, you know what? I got, I got some more saving to do. So he made one last trip to the perimeter to ensure that all classified material had been collected or destroyed and to bring the remaining wounded. Only then, an extremely serious condition from numerous wounds and loss of blood. Let me talk about loss of blood for a second. So your average human being has about five liters of blood. Right. So if you look at a two liter bottle of uh, you know, soda, Pepsi, Coke, doesn't matter. So you've got two of those and then half of one of those. That's how much blood approximately you have in your body. If you lose two liters of it, you your your ability to function is next to impossible. Like you can still be conscious. You'll be pale as fuck. You might be able to move a little bit, but definitely you won't be able to do the shit that he's doing. And so you got to think his adrenaline is pumping. His heart rate has got to be 200 beats per minute minimum, right? He's been wounded so many times in places that carry a lot of blood. So you got to think, I mean, he's probably lost definitely more than a liter and a half 
he's very close to that that to that to that mark to where he shouldn't be able to move at all. And here he is fucking doing wind sprints in the fucking in the walking in jungle. <laughs> Just getting after it. Doing slide cancels for paperwork. <laughs> slide cancels. Yeah. Um for paperwork. Yeah. Suck um, my balls. That shit would have been there. Yeah. So, that's why he won that's why he's a big dog in the industry, I guess. Yeah, right. That's why he's that's why his name is known. Um, but only then, only then did he allow himself to be pulled into the extraction aircraft. So once he made sure all every all the wounded uh, were retrieved and all classified documents were retrieved, only then was he like, "All right, man, I'll, I'll tap." So Sergeant Benavidez, um, his his gallant choice to join voluntarily his comrades who were in uh, critical uh, critical straits to expose himself constantly to withering enemy fire and his refusal to be stopped despite numerous severe wounds. Saved the lives the lives of at least eight men. His fearless personal leadership, tenacious devotion to duty, and extremely valorous actions in the face of overwhelming odds were in keeping with the higher traditions of the military service and re- reflect the utmost credit on him and the United States Army. And that was from Ronald Reagan, who awarded him, gave him, presented him the Medal of Honor. So my my favorite part of this story isn't even in the citation. When they got back to the Ford operating base. Oh yeah, uh, Sergeant Benavidez was uh, essentially pronounced dead. They were in the process of zipping him up in the body bag, and the only way Benavidez could let them know that he was alive was by spitting in the doc's face. <laughs> and that's what he did. They thought he was dead, and you know, fuck, man. Yeah. You look know, at I, him. I mean, yeah. look at him. Look at this fucking guy. Yeah, he's people, probably barely breathing at the at the level, just barely enough to even stay conscious. I guess. Yeah. On some deep fucking monk type shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but, you're going you you're going from two hundred two hundred beats per minute plus to, I mean, for them to not be able to tell. I mean, he's got to be lower than you know twenty five beats per minute. You know, that's from loss yeah. of blood. You know what I mean? His, Plus, his heart. Look at this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he shot the fuck up. Nobody's, they probably look at him like nobody's ever survived this kind of shit. Let's not even focus on it. Let's yeah. Go, go on and zip him up. Go on to somebody else. <clears throat> yeah, That's exactly. probably what those fucking guys were thinking. I hope, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that wasn't the case, but goddamn. Could you imagine? I would like to think they put a stethoscope to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah sure. I don't, I don't know if I'm hearing that or, or what I'm hearing. He's probably dead, though. <clears throat> yeah, dude. Wild me. And so what's crazy, um, it, it's, it's always fascinated, to, fascinated me to read stories like this. And you just like the, the, the level of intensity that uh, this person has to um, have about them in these moments to perform these tasks. But then you can watch videos of him you know, giving speeches and talking to crowds and, and all that. He does not sound like, if you ask me, what do you think Roy Benavidez sounds like after reading the citation? I would have been like, oh man, deep gravelly voice, fucking balls of steel, fucking 15 inch, you know, dick, just massive dude, <laughs> just giving no fucks, <laughs> right? Got a scar across his face, like, you know, all the cool guys do. Mm-hmm. You listen to him talk, man, and he sounds like your typical grandpa. 
Do you know what I mean? Just a very kind, soft-spoken guy <laughs> had had a, had a, had a bit of a, a mumble to his voice, but that could have been from one of his uh, face injuries. Yeah, more than likely. So, and at the time, he was a staff sergeant, and he retired as a master sergeant. So he stayed in the army even after that. Mm. Crazy, <clears throat> wild. Um, you know, and even some of our our, our uh, GWAT. Medal, medal, medal of Honor winners. I mean, they, you know, some pretty badass stories coming out of a lot of those dudes. And um, it's, I, I love sitting, sitting down and watching interviews with them, man, just because listening to them talk, just like yeah. how humble they are and how a lot of them, the bulk of them, there's, there's maybe been one or two that didn't do this. But the bulk of them are like, it, I didn't win it. I did not get this Medal of Honor. I was just in a certain position to be able to do something to help Mm -hmm. it was the people around me it was the situation and um and so that's that's pretty cool man like they're giving credit back to their dudes um but it's it's pretty wild man i also really like the story of uh lieutenant uh lieutenant murphy mike murphy you know his story no i'm not familiar I mean, if you if you've read the book or saw the movie Lone Survivor, then you're familiar. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that and that whole uh, that whole story is just kind of wild to me too. And I've heard that like in the movie when they're like having to throw themselves down this like mountainside to like escape the Taliban. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard. Um, I don't know if it was you know Marcus Luttrell had 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 confirmed it or not, but like I've heard that that was about what it was like. Um, and I've, I've listened to some stories of his, like he was on the Joe Rogan podcast talking about, um, you know, what happened after that, once he was finally able to kind of evade the Taliban and just, just those, those moments after those, that full, that 24 hours after it's just insane. Like, and, and, and that's that, you know, and I talked to you about like doing this, these podcasts, like what with video, um, being able to see, uh, Mark Luttrell's face as from the story, like it makes it more real. Like I knew the story, I've, I've I've read about it, um, I've heard him tell it before by listening to him, but seeing his face as he's telling the story, you know, you get that thousand yard stare. You're trying, you're remembering the details, and you're you're essentially reliving those moments. And I mean, he was right back there, man. Um, but I tell you, dude, that that's one of my favorite things about the military, dude, is that we have. We have people like that in our ranks. You know what I mean? Like we have these people that are have the, the this this you know innate ability to just go above and beyond. And it's always the people that you never you know you never uh, um, assume or think about. Uh, shit! What was that guy's name from Hacksaw Ridge? You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, the the uh, the medic. Yeah, I cannot remember his name. Um. Uh, gosh, what was his name? Desmond. You, uh... Desmond. Yeah, I was typing. Yeah, De- Desmond Doss. Yeah, yeah. Did everything that he did. I want to say he said it saved like seventy some odd dudes with no weapon. You know what I mean? Insane. Yeah. <clears throat> Didn't kill a single soul. He refused to go into combat with a gun. Crazy man. <clears throat> I love stories like that, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and and you're saying all this because you know that's how prestigious the Medal of Honor is, and right, you wouldn't right. want it to get pinned on by some guy who's like a little funky with the wordplay. 
Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, I think <clears throat> I know it's our nation's highest military honor. And so it would make sense for the president to give it. But I honestly think that the person receiving it or the family of the people receiving it, um, I think they should choose who gets to give it to them. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You know what I mean? Like, because uh, let, let's say... As big a deal as it is, it may as well be somebody mm-hmm. from the family who... Yeah. <clears throat> you need to fix your sound, man. You went, you went, uh, like you put yourself in a shoe or something. I did. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you re-enlist, right? When you, when, when you re-enlist, you get to, uh, pick the time and the place and all that stuff. So that's why you see a lot of like funky, uh, re-enlistment photos, like people underwater or, or like young blood was talking about re-enlisting on top of that spiral minaret. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, you should be able to pick who you want to give it to you, man. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty cool. Who who would you pick? Someone, uh, oh, my son. I wouldn't even think twice. You'd have him give it to you? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know who I would pick. I would pick Jessica Alba from Into the Blue. <laughs> from that specific uh, film? Yeah, and so I would say, listen, I, I want Jessica Alba to give it to me, but she has to look like she did in Into the Blue. Or else no deal. Or no deal. No dice. And they're going to be like, well, fuck, man. Like, we have to give it to you because you did some stellar shit. I'm like, I know. <laughs> so they have to call her up and be like, hey, Jessica, Miss Alba, ma'am. Uh, so here's the deal. This guy is getting the Medal of Honor. And she'll be like, oh, I totally heard about it because he did some, like, real badass shit. Probably the most badass shit ever is ever. what she'll say. Ever. Yeah, in the history of ever. Yeah, and the, and the she'll be like, edge of ever. Yeah, yeah, and she'll be like, "What's this got to do with me?" And th- then they'll tell her, you know. And she's like, "Yeah, I got you." <laughs> yeah, too easy. Dressed in five minutes. Dressed in five minutes. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, man. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That, that I don't know who I would pick uh, to be honest. Um, you know, definitely, you know, I think, I think family is, I, I want family, family there, but I don't know, man. I mean, it, it's, it's a wild, it's a wild thing anyway, because I mean, situational, right, situation dictates, right, like, what happened, who all was there, could, and, and that's the other thing, is like, can you even, like, I don't know, man, some of these dudes and like their stories and like, all the shit that went down, I don't know, man, I, I, I can't even fathom it, honestly, like, I read some of these stories, and it just blows my mind, yeah. uh, the shit that they did. Um, I really think, like, hmm. in that particular situation, not even in Roy's, because his was just so insane. Mm-hmm. Let's do something as simple as jumping on a grenade. We know, well, we don't, we don't know him, but we are familiar with that. So that's what... Second, you didn't have any time to think about that. You were thinking about something completely different. <clears throat> Yeah, and then all of a sudden there's this issue, and you throw your fucking body on it. You know. Like, yeah. Would I would I be able to do that? You know. Um, of course. For my friends, I say that. Yeah. You know. Shot in both legs, fucking in the face, damn stomach, shrapneled up, fucking, and I got blood in my eyes. Yeah. 
hey. you're still out there running. You're still out there running. You're still out there doing shit. I do that. Yeah. Dude, your audio's cutting in and out, man. Oh, man. Really? Yeah. What about now? Yeah, it's good now. No, okay. oh, now it's not. <clears throat> Fix your shit, dude. I know. What about now? Nope. Still bad? Yeah. All right, I'll end this one and start a new one. Right there is fine. Oh, do it now? No, now it's not. What the fuck? What the fuck, dude? I'm talking now. Does it sound good or bad? Now, when you started, no. When it finished, yes. Hmm. It's very weird. Yeah. But, uh, you you know, you you talk about jumping on a grenade. That happened um, in our battalion the year later, or the next deployment later. Yes. Um, Private First Class uh, Ross McGinnis on uh, December 4th, 2006 in Atomia, Baghdad, Iraq area. He was was in Charlie Company. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, did uh, Sergeant Gill, did he not move over to Charlie Company? During that deployment, I think you did. I think so. Um, yeah, I can't wait to talk to him. I hope he, uh, I hope he can make it on because, uh, yeah, man, I bet you he's got some cool stories, um, especially considering you know what he's been doing in the military since then. But yeah, so McGinnis, um, McGinnis, that's exactly what was going on. He was a, uh, 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 he was a fifty cal gunner on on a truck, and a grenade was. Uh, a frag grenade had thrown had been thrown into the truck and he jumps he he drops out of the fucking turret and covers the grenade with his body saves everybody in the truck yeah that's um that's insane yeah I mean, as it, a private yeah but it's not that it's like the the split second the what would you do the ultimate thing the most the most sacrifice you can possibly put out there for anybody is to die for them and you're going to do that right now and, and you're going to face the afterlife or whatever that might be and all that kind of shit if there is one who knows you're, gonna, you're about to fucking find out mm-hmm. you got five seconds of just whatever you're going to have left and then it's done bam it's done it's over it's finished yeah fuck could you do that you know I remember when I was in basic training my uh, my drill sergeant. I remember them asking, you know, who here, and I think I talked about this with Griff on, Griff on the on the first episode. But like, you know, who here thinks they can kill somebody? And we all raise our hand because we're all going to be like, you know, super hua infantry guys. And and he was like, "Shut the fuck up! You don't know if you can kill somebody until you're in that position, until so you have your sights locked on. You don't know if you're going to be able to pull that trigger." In my head, though, at the time, I knew, you know, what I'm saying because I, I I know that I could justify it. Right, like it's good guys versus bad guys, depending on your perspective, right? Yeah, right. Um, but when you talk about, and, and we and we talk about selfless service, we talk about, um, you know, you know, putting yourself out there uh, to 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 watch out for your guys, right? To to, to have their six. <clears throat> and and in, in these particular situations, you find yourself in a unique opportunity to potentially save their lives or lose all four of your buddies and your legs. 
and uh and or you know in, in in any situation where a grenade is thrown and you're there to be able to cover it up or whatever i don't know man i really don't know what i would do in that situation um i would like to think that i would i would do the same thing that he did yeah i'd like to think um at the same time like i would imagine like i'm gonna be honest like human people if a hundred percent of the people got tasked or put in in this fucking situation, I would probably assume about I'd say about fifty percent would dude I'd say about fifty percent would jump on it for whoever was in that vehicle <laughs> with him because he could have easily just jumped out, yeah, and you know I guess you know dealt with life after that because Jesus, that'd be a terrible fucking life. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's. I think probably about fifty fifty. I don't know. I think it might be a little less than that. I think. You, I yeah. think, and not nothing against. Actually, yeah, everything against people. I think people, for the most part, suck. Um, <laughs> and I think, um, I think that you give to people too much credit. Now, yeah. <clears throat> now, when you, I mean, I'm talking about just people in general. You're talking about like people that are trained to respond, to react. And, and you think about it, man, like all the times we were in Graf, all the times we were in Hohenfels, all the times we, we, we walked up to uh, Area Mike to do battle drills, all we were doing was learning how to react. Obviously, we don't mm-hmm. have a battle drill for you know jumping on a grenade, but all we do is react. When we go into um, practicing room clearances and we bust through a door and suddenly there's a target, we learn to react. We learn you know, to immediately engage the threat, whatever that threat may be. So with that kind of training in mind, you know, it's easy to see how that would be his initial reaction. It's easy to see how that would be any of our initial initial reaction. But I know, I know for a fact when we were deployed in firefights, I mean, there were people that gave it, you know, some second thought before pulling the trigger. I, I, I know of at least one person that was deployed with us that never pulled the trigger. Wow. Never. Not because he was never in situations. My opinion is because he was too much of a fucking chicken shit. Wow. Oh, yeah, man. Offline about that one. Oh, yeah, man. I'll I'll tell you a a specific story. That story, I lost all fucking respect for that dude. I mean, could you possibly tell the story without Laying out the name, yeah, and say factual that would make it make the people who were there know. Uh, well, if it, you know any of our any, any of our dudes listening, um, they they might not. I mean, Dave would remember. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's about it, though. Maybe, uh, meet right yeah. might remember. I want to hear this, and then, but I, I just don't want to, you know. Yeah, no. So, so we were responding to. Um, I was in Sergeant Smith's squad at the time, so I was the uh, Bravo team leader, and this particular individual was the Alpha team leader. All right. Do you know around what what stage of the uh, deployment this was? We were at we were at Yuvani at the time. Uh, that's where we were staying, so it was towards the end. Oh, okay, um, I know. I think okay. Continue. And. Uh, <clears throat> He he came to us right before the deployment. Um, from a particular East Coast base, 
But anyway, um, no, nah, man, like we were there, we were. So like we had this dude who uh, was, uh, you know, at the, at the time we had, so we, 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 I'm sorry. So we were, we were responding to a, a V bit, a car bomb had blown up in this particular area, tried to destroy one of our vehicles. So we responded to this area and we were basically doing a, um, setting up security court, doing a cordon to block off the area. Blah, blah. And so if you remember in 04, we were authorized to shoot spotters because their t- the, the bad guy's tactic at the time was somebody would wave at us and, you know, we think we're being friendly. So we wave back. But then they were actually waving at somebody on the other side of us, telling them that, you know, we were in the, the hot spot to engage mm-hmm. RPG, IED, small arms, light them up, initiate ambush. Yeah. That happened so frequently that we were allowed to engage the spotters, military age males more than likely um, were spotters. So people weren't just waving at us. Kids would, right? But adults generally didn't wave at us. And so every time that it did happen, the end result was, you know, something would blow up or, you know, a a, a fight would break out. Mm -hmm. So the rules of engagement were adjusted and we were allowed to engage spotters. So we had this guy watching our position, um, from behind a corner at about 200 i'm saying about 150 meters out and um so there's myself and meat he's on the on the on the 240 the machine gun Greg, uh, gregowitz and then um we had this other lieutenant who was not in our company but was with us i can't i can't remember why he may have been i don't know shadowing the xo or something Probably. So he was off to my right behind cover about 25 meters. And then just down for me, I had uh, Dave and I had Rusu. Um, and Dave had an, you know, an M16. And I think Rusu was a saw gunner. <clears throat> and, and so we had this guy who was popping in and out of this, uh, this corner, um, like very, very sneaky, very shady like. And we're trying to get clear shots at him. Well, we can't. Every time he'd pop out, you know, he would pop back in just in time, you know, for, you know, for us to shoot or whatever. So we could never really, you know, get effective shots on him. Yeah. So <clears throat> I He's doing I the tell, whack-a-mole. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so I tell Dave uh, to reposition with Rusu, <clears throat> acting as uh, cover and security for him, uh, to move over to a position about seventy-five meters to my left. He had good cover moving there. He had uh, good cover when he got there. And he would have had great line of sight of, of this guy because uh, it was to my left and forward of me. So he would have had a better vantage point of this guy. Mm-hmm. Dave wasn't in my team. Right. And so keep in mind on this particular gun line, you have a second lieutenant, me, the Bravo team leader, a 240 gunner, another rifleman, and then a saw gunner. And that is it. Nobody else is over there with us. Mm-hmm. So I repositioned Dave. Um, you know, he's he's over there. He's waiting for this guy to like to show back up from his viewpoint. And like we're doing hand and arm signals and stuff because we're not yelling that that far, right? We're not gonna we're not gonna scream at each other from that far. So <clears throat> so this particular person comes up to me and is like, What's Dave doing over there? And I try to explain the situation to him, but like I'm laying in um kind of a hole in the ground with 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 Gregowitz. Um, for cover and concealment. And this dude just comes over and, and kicks me in the fucking foot. He's like, what's Dave doing over there? What's Parlo doing over there? I was like, uh, I, I repositioned him. 
what the fuck? Why? You don't control my team. You don't tell me where my team, or you don't tell my team where they should go. Blah, blah, blah. And starts yelling, get the fuck back over here. Get the, you know, just starts, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? And like, he and I had it out. There was like, there was a firefight going down, going on a, a, a block down from us, right? You could hear the rounds like cracking by us. We had this guy who was potentially spotting uh, to somebody over on the other side of where we were. You know what I'm saying? And this dude wants to argue with me in the middle of all this shit about where we should, should position his, where I can position his guys. I'm not allowed to control his team because I'm the Bravo team leader. I'm the, the lower ranking one. Man, I about fucking punched him in his face, dude. I was so mm. fucking mad. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Crazy shit, man. But I, I lost all respect for that dude at that point. Um, I didn't have a whole lot leading up to that because I remember being in a handful of firefights and watching him like kind of move along like if we were on a building engaging whatever he would kind of move along the building but never actually engage I don't think he fired one single shot that whole time maybe that was his goal I don't know man in my opinion he was a fucking bitch Hmm. I think I know who you're talking about uh fuck yeah Crazy story though, uh, I finally did. Um, that guy finally did pop out long enough for me to like get a clear shot on him. And oh, I, put, I had my my M sixty eight, and um, you know the the M sixty eight for those listening is a red dot, right? So anywhere that red dot is on your target is where your bullet goes. So you don't have to line up a rear sight aperture and a front sight post. You just you just put the red dot on your target. And um, follow the rest of your fundamentals, and you know, so, so long as your zero is good, you're good. And I remember, um, and I learned about this in, in that book on combat, actually. But I remember going through the fundamentals, dot on his fucking chest, center mass, of what I could see, slow trigger squeeze, you know, control my breathing, all that stuff. Bam, gun goes off. It's a surprise to me, and I swear to God, I watched the bullet exit that barrel and travel down range. And go directly over his fucking right shoulder into the wall behind him. <laughs> yeah, I was so fucking mad, dude. My zero was off. My sight was off. Mm. Yeah. So have you? This is. Uh, it's funny you would say this. You guys had to re- remind me that I had actually shot somebody. <laughs> yeah. And- like, I don't recall this at all. And it's a really crazy, insane, insane story um, overall as a, you know, situation. Uh, it's that whole Golden Quran thing. Yeah. Man, your your audio is still fucked up, though. It's still bad? All right. Yeah. You tell a story. <laughs> okay. So the mission was uh, we, were, we were to assist the Iraqi police with uh, helping uh, recover this uh, stolen copy of, the, of a golden Quran. Apparently, this, this golden Quran was very, very, very um, important um, and not, like, had, had more than just monetary value. It was, you know, it was very old um, and very special. And so <clears throat> Captain Rockefeller from the start was like guys this is an ambush i can smell it i know it is and he was not wrong so the the mission was going to be we were going to head out at night right and we're going to move along this route blah 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 and he called it man we're probably going to take something along that route and we did we uh Mm -hmm. we got we ran into um so this is a company size element so you got to think we had 
two of our mechanized platoons down there with us. So we had that's that's four Bradleys. I'm sorry, uh, eight Bradleys. We had a tanker platoon attached to us. So they're two Abrams tanks, right, with the 155 cannon and 50 cals mounted on top. And then we also had the headquarters platoon, and they had their four up-armored uh, Humvees with 50 cals. So we have all of this equipment out there, <clears throat> everything under the sun, basically, that yep. an, infantry, an, a, an infantry platoon would carry. And so we're rolling out, and sure as shit, man, fucking convoy hits an IED in the ground, and then immediately followed by RPG and small arms fire. Command comes over the net, push through. So we do. We don't stop. We don't do the, the herringbone and try and engage, blah, blah, blah. We're not there for them. But they're probably going to show up where, we're, where we are because they know. Yeah. We'll kill them then. So we get in position, right? We set up um, Bradley's in the tanks, set up an outer cordon, an outer security limit. And then there was going to be an established inner cordon or an inner security limit uh, set up by troops. And um, so we, you know, cordon is established. We're dismounted, right? <clears throat> and it's dark. And we're about 250 meters away from the nearest building, which was by design, you know what I mean? Because you want the cordon established first, whatever. So we dismount. We're in night vision, goggles and all of that stuff. And, and we start hearing um, that old familiar sound of a launch from mortars. <laughs> so you can <laughs> launch. Now, <clears throat> when you hear a mortar launch, the next sound you want to hear is a whistle. If you hear that whistle, it means that that round has gone overhead. If you hear the launch, the whistle, it's either short or it's on top of you. In any case, the first thing you do is run in the direction of nearest cover. Um, run for as fast as, as, as fast as you can. And, you know, you'll try and like get down um, for cover or something if you could, but like, we started hearing the whistle over our heads and the, the impacts were just on the outside of the Bradleys. Um, so launch, launch and launch and whistles and fucking impacts. There was a couple, there was no whistle. They fell short, but we make it to cover. We make it to these, uh, these houses, right? So all of our squads were spread out from our platoon, from second platoon. Mm-hmm. So everywhere. Yeah. Your squad, uh, sorry, your squad, um, which was the first dismount squad, right? Yes. You guys, you guys were further down. I can't remember the direction, so I'm going to call that direction east. Um, yes. So you guys were further east from the rest of us. And then second and third squad, um, dismount squads, we were all gathered in a building. Now, this at the time, I was the uh, RTO, the radio telephone operator. I was a radio guy. And so we push into these buildings. We're trying to get comms. We're trying to get accountability. Trying to make sure everybody's there, blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, we had to bust into these people's house. They were asleep. We felt really bad about it. Um, we apologized <laughs> to them as best we could in our terrible English, our, ter- our terrible Arabic. And um, I mean, all you can really say to them is shukran. You know what I mean? Like, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. but I, just after, keep touching your chest. Keep touching yeah. your chest. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, after, after, after a minute, you know, they kind of understood what was going on. Like, oh, okay, these guys are just trying not to get blown up. And they were like, yeah, I'd do the same thing. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, like, chaos ensues, right? So now, like, the Bradleys are being engaged. They're fucking firing 25. The tanks are engaged. They're firing 50 cal. Um, more, more mortars are coming in. I'm on the net trying to, like, get accountability of your guys' squad, our squads, relay that information to uh, command. Uh, so basically trying to establish some type of command and control um, and so we can, you know, uh, you know, figure out what we're going to do next. Yeah. So I think in the meantime, while all this is going on, uh, me and a person from my squad uh, happened to mm-hmm. find cover in a hole in the street. Mm-hmm. And we just stayed yeah. there. It made the most sense. It was so spicy outside. So spicy that if we were happened to get out of this hole, we would have been shot for sure. We would have yeah. been fucking dead. A fucking RPG flew right over the top of us. When I say right over, I mean like from me standing, I could have stuck a hand in the air and slapped it. Yeah. Which would have been terrible. But that's <laughs> probably, that's probably how this fucking it. thing flew over. Yeah. And then you're starting to see people outside now. Yeah. And so you think okay, it's night. I think we we didn't push until probably eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock at night. I think curfew yeah. was um was a thing at the time. So they had to, you know, everybody at home by like nine or whatever the hell it was. And shit's blowing up outside. Guns are going off. It's a full-on firefight. And, you know, so anybody that appears in the street, um, you know, should be considered dangerous. You should be considered yeah. Mr. Bad Guy, especially if they are what we are, what we're calling, you know, military-aged males. And as it turns out, you guys encountered a military-aged male. Yes. And um, on a bicycle. Yep. All so, right. So I'm starting <laughs> to remember more of this now. In my head, I did the computations. I'm like, all right. Uh, again, like kind of exactly what you said. It's dark. It's late. It's late, late, late. What is Zoo doing out here? Uh, yeah. In the in the middle of the, the thick of the spice. In the he's thick in the, of it. out here. Yeah. Fucking riding a bike. Who's doing this? Why would he be doing that right now? Yeah. Um. Eh, I think me, me and the, my battle buddy who was in this hole, we kind of had a few conversations. Uh, it was some crazy one, shit, though, right? Crazy yeah, shit, for though, one, right? Yeah, I, I say it's it's crazy because it was just me and him. That was it for a minute. I mean, it was just me and him chilling. Man, I, I probably would have pissed, pissed myself, man. That's some, that's, I, some shit, that, that's some shit right there. I think I was on the saw. I think I had the saw. Yeah, that yeah, you did. Yeah, you were saw uh, I think he had the regular old M16, A4, whatever the fuck. A4. So A4. people listening, the saw is the uh, M249 squad automatic weapon. It's a, it's a light fully automatic machine gun shoots the same size caliber round as an AR or an M4 or M16. Excellent weapon to have when you're out there, by the way. <laughs> Apparently for you, huh? Yeah. So the thing is, the thing is though, I mean, and you talk about doing these computations like late at night, you know, in a firefight and then here, this guy is, you know, doing his fucking paper route. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not that he's doing a paper route. We have <laughs> information that they have people who are out here spotting. Right, exactly. That, that, that's what I'm saying. And plus, yeah. you don't know. I mean, his his bike could have been his only means of transportation, and he didn't want to be late to the gunfight, so he was just like booking it. It's like, no, mom, I gotta go. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and that's just what he was on. 
He didn't see you guys in the hole, but he could have been in route or something. What's crazy is he could have very well have been uh, – he could have just planted an IED. He could have had um, a suicide uh, vest on of some type. You know, he could have had grenades, you know, keistered. You, I mean, you really never know. You don't. So, so I you know. fucking shot him. Bam. That was it. it was, I think it was that probably, was one of the first ones I gotten. Yeah. It was probably more like bam, bam, bam because it was a saw. Well, I didn't. I did not want to leave this fucking guy suffering. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so that was that. Yeah, and I you thought know, about and, it later. I thought about it later that night, but I I didn't think about it at at that moment because, like I said, I don't remember a lot of it. But yeah. at the same time, what I probably was thinking was, it's just still just me and this person in this hole, man. Yeah, we got to do something. <laughs> Yeah, man. Another fucking person comes out here, you know, they can join him, I guess. For for folks listening, man, if you're not in the military, I mean, it's it's really kind of hard to explain what that situation is like, um, you know, in just a a small story, right? Like you actually have to be in that situation to determine what you would do. The thing is, you know, you you think about when somebody asks you, you know, what would you do in the situation? You really don't know. I mean, yes, when I was a private, I, def- I in basic training, I knew that I could pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. But when it came down to it, did I actually know? Who yeah. knows, right? I mean, we found out that, yeah, I absolutely could. I had no problems with it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I still have no regrets over that. But when you think about these situations, here you are, um, from where you live, 11 time zones away, you know, you're, you're 9,000. 10,000 miles away from home, right? Mm-hmm. You're a young kid. I mean, you were you you were 21 in Iraq, right? You just you turn you turned 21 in Iraq. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So 21, 20, de- deploying to like you had already done your will, right? Fully accepted that you're gonna die every single day, right? Yeah, that's the only way you can fucking deal with it. You go, you go to this country where you don't really want to be for reasons that we don't really understand. We just know that, like, the guy to my left, right, and six, you know, they got to get home, and it's my job to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so you, you find yourself in the middle of this firefight, shit, bullets are everywhere, and you see this fucking guy on a bicycle, you know? Yeah. Now, in 2004, rules of engagement were a lot different than, than, than later, later years. Um, because we were allowed to engage uh, engage uh, spotters and and typically people that not always armed or you know or whatever the case was, um, just because of how the tactics that were used at the time, and so you know people like to say they like to hear a story about that and be like well you didn't get positive identification that makes you a bad person but like you don't know what you would do in that situation and you acted in the best interest of you and your battle buddy in that hole and ultimately the rest of us, because that guy very well could have had some type of explosive device on him and rode up to one of the Bradleys in the back and destroyed it vehicle yeah. down, right? Three guys, three guys in the track dead. You know, there's no telling what could have happened after that. That so, night, the night to just sidetrack just a second, then we're going to get back to the, uh, the golden Quran part, which is the craziest part of the whole thing. The whole room full of stuff. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
You know, let's go right into that. What happened to the other squad? What 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 they were doing? Uh, was that your squad? <clears throat> um. Yeah. Yeah. So we were. So there was two squads in this building. We had. Uh, I don't know that we had roof access, but we were definitely um, in the bottom floor. So there was a group of us in the foyer outside. So we had the the big iron gates opened, and um, and uh, I remember looking. Man, and to this day, I cannot think about it. Um, or I, I, I'll explain it. So, to this day, I'm sitting there in in my night vision on a knee, watching a Bradley and a tank engage an RPG team up on top of a, a three story building, mm-hmm. and they are just going <clears throat> ape shit. And through my through my night vision, I can see all the tracers. I mean, you can see the tracers without the night vision, but like you can definitely see them with that. And you're seeing ricochets. You're seeing sparks from the from the bradleys from the, uh, the 25 millimeter high explosive rounds um impacting and it's just it's 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 and in that moment i thought to myself um you know the national anthem the rockets red glare right mm-hmm. like you know the bombs bursting in the air and all, you know that i cannot every time i hear that part of the song that's 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 the only thing that i can uh, picture in my head Man, <clears throat> to this day, <laughs> to to this day, that's still that image, uh, that that still it, it still pops into my head, and it's it's crazy to me, man. Um, uh, it's 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 powerful. It, it gives that portion of the song, and then you know, obviously the whole national anthem, mm-hmm. very personal uh, meaning uh, to me, and because it's it's just it's just wild, man. Like we we lived through that. It was nuts. It was a good time. But the rest of the mission, though, um, so we finally got accountability, got everybody, every, everything established, blah, blah, blah. And so we had a couple of objectives that we had to hit. So going into this, we, st- we knew it was going to be an ambush. We knew around about how the ambush was going to play out. But Captain Rockefeller said, we're here to do a job. We're going to do that job. Roger that, sir. So we move out. We move out to our first objective. We get into that house. We clear it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first house that had nothing in it. Um, we had, I think we had three houses to hit. The, the first two were right next to each other. And then the third one was further down. Mm-hmm. And so we go into that first house, all clear lights out, nobody home, not this house. So we went to the second house. And so we bust through the fucking door. I think we use like a hooligan tool to bust the door in and we go in and we start clearing the house room by room, right? Lights are out. Um, um, some lights were on, I guess. Uh, I know some lights were on from, from what I remember, but I don't know if, they, if initially they were. But anyway, we're clearing the house. We're going room uh, room by room. So we have our outer uh, outer security of that particular objective, um, and they are outside. And then, you know, the rest of the platoon is in the house. And yep. so at one point, you know, we're clearing rooms and somebody notices there's a door that's, you know, behind this refrigerator. So they start to remove the refrigerator out of the way and they notice that there's um, some type of wiring configuration around the, uh, the, the door, like the, like the door handle or the, the piece that locks it or whatever shit it was around that t- same time or, you know, at, at that same time, if I'm not mistaken, Doc Skillen was like, this house smells like gas. <laughs> and uh, 
And like his eyes got real big. It was like, holy fuck, this house. I was like, guys, everybody the fuck out. Everybody out. Everybody out. Got outside and they started crunching the numbers and we're like, wait a second. Wires on the door. House smells like gas. Open the door. Spark. Boom. Everyone's dead or wounded as fuck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, relay that information to Captain Rockefeller. And if I'm not mistaken, it was right after that. He said, fucking mount up, let's roll out, fuck this shit. IPs on their own. Come to find out that house that I watched get uh, destroyed, that building that I watched get leveled by Bradley mm-hmm. and a tank, was the Iraqi pol- uh, police uh, station. And the people, a lot of the people that we had killed that night were Iraqi police. The same people that asked us to go off and do this mission. So, yeah, imagine that. That was kind of that, uh, that was kind of a was, thing for the year. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of wild shit like that. And mm-hmm. and uh, like you said, as soon as it got kicked off, as soon as it got going, we knew like this is a fucking ambush. Don't give me. Hey, just give me a break, dude. If you want to yeah. fight, we can go out to the fight, field and fight. If you want to fight, we can do a civil war style. I don't give a shit, but. <laughs> I mean, you want us to go get this book? I mean, Quran and all this kind of crazy shit. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah, give me a break. But we did it. Yeah, and and almost lost a whole bunch of friends over it. And I was sitting in the hole the whole time. <laughs> I shot a guy on a bike. That's all I got. <clears throat> but fuck, you know, and it was you know- it was it was extreme. I guess it was just so extreme. We had blocked a lot of it out. Maybe pop, but I, I've shot a guy in a similar situation, and he was coming up behind Sargoff's uh, Bradley mm-hmm. the same night that you said you saw all those bodies around them. Oh yeah, yeah. It was me and three, two other dudes. I could explain that one <laughs> eventually. Well, I think we got time. Oh fuck! Okay, this was like <laughs> Baton, Ro- Baton Rouge, man. This was uh, day one. Mm, I don't even think it was day yeah day one and uh, we were in a safe place we had overwatch over the back of some Brad, uh, Goss Bradley and uh, anything that tries to come around that corner we got him okay yeah so you know again I got the I got the saw we had in a, a saw and, and two M16s up there and uh, we can hear Sarvam go off and engaging people. He's popping off mm-hmm. pretty much almost at a constant basis. Like, constant. I can hear the mosques are going off in the background. Uh, you can see tracer fire going off in different places. And then it was quiet. Super quiet. Nothing's going on. And then it'll kick right back up. Like, like it was nothing. So it was like a yo-yo kind of a thing. But Sarvam Golf is over here still basically engaging. So me and two other guys, we're sitting on top of this uh, building that's still under construction. Not really on top. We're probably about the fifth or sixth floor of this building. And uh, we blasted some holes through some walls so we can watch. And we're watching shit. We see this guy come around the corner. Couldn't see his hands, but you can see he's ducking around. He's fucking being squirrely. And there's a bunch Shady. of wild shit going out on out here. A bunch of wild shit going on. I'm watching this fucking guy. He's fucking leaning up against walls and stuff. I'm like, hey, you guys see this dude? Like, yeah, we can see him clearly. Like, I can see his face. I can see his face now. So clear. So this is right here in my head. And uh, 
I'm like, all right, well, he's getting close to Sargoff's track, and I don't know what the fuck he has in his hands. So, what are we going to do? Motherfuckers got to go. That's it. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, we were in a safe place. Safe place. We didn't have to engage anything. I guess, right? I mean, you know. I mean, we're safe. As soon as you do, you you give your position away. Yeah. So, there's that potential threat. Yeah, that's that's our only worry. But my, I'm worried about something happening to start golfing them. You know, right? We got stores with them and all kind of shit. You don't want to see your friends get hit from behind like that. So we had a countdown. Fucking as soon as he stops and he peeks around the corner, waste him. I counted mm-hmm. down. Three, two, one. I let off a burst. The other two guys let off a few shots. I watched the blood splatter off of them. Watch them drop to the ground. This is at night. I can see clearly because there's fucking, <laughs> you know, street lights and shit like that. They don't even need knots. Position be damned. Yeah. It was just, had to protect those dudes. I never told them that. I don't think anybody ever told We had never talked about that. That's the first time I ever talked about that, period. I'm really? not gonna name names. Yeah, I won't name names about that because you know. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, some of these guys could possibly be still trying to do something militarily, or could be trying to do something with their, their yeah, you're right, careers or whatever. So, <clears throat> yeah, I was gonna I've say, had a couple I've, of situations I've, like that. I was gonna say I've, I've known you since 2002, and I've never heard that story. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, come to find out later on, yeah, you had a fucking weapon, but hey. It, it could have been like uh, if if we were one of those type of folks who who were like, hey, we need that one hundred percent confirmation before we pull this trigger. When that one hundred percent confirmation is that person firing off a rocket, right? I mean or, RPG. That's what I meant. Or, yeah, or, 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 or shoot off a fucking IED or some or some crap like that. I don't need that confirmation. I got a gut feeling. That was that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and dude, and that's. That's the name of the fucking game, dude. That is that is war. I mean, in, in this, and that's what people don't seem to understand, man, is like your ability in those situations to make these decisions that literally cost life or death. You know what I mean? Yep. Like they are literally life or death. And and here you are, you know, at this at this point, uh, you had you're, you're about to turn 21, right? Uh, um yeah i was uh, it was october october first first yeah first, october first yeah. I, I didn't turn 21 until you know yeah later we got our cib cib is the same day like we turned i turned 21 yeah so i have the same cib um and so here you are 20 years old and having to like decide like whether or not this person lives or dies well yeah. I, I actually i take that back that person, the moment they decided to go do what they were doing, decided that they're going to live or die. You know, they decided that they're going to die. It was worth the risk to them, I guess. Well, that, that's what I mean, though. Like, and, and so what, what, what my point is, is a lot, a lot of times when you think about like, in those situations, you know, like, oh, well, I killed that guy. I decided whether or not they, you know, they lived or died. I decided their fate, their death, whatever. No, they did. They decided it when they decided to go do what they were going to do. You know, they didn't have to pick up arms and go fight us. I mean, I totally get it. If if the rules were reversed, if the uh, the turns were tabled, <laughs> um, and somebody came into my country, I don't give a fuck who they are. I'm going to do the same thing that they did, 
I mean, no, I get but it. it. But for my, in my case, man, I had to have 100% control over that person living or dying. That was my call. That was that. Yeah. yeah that I guess. Was me, me almost playing God for a second because I didn't know. I mean, besides not knowing what the fuck they're going to do about, you know, uh, coming up behind Sarn Golf's track. And, and I couldn't let that happen. I just couldn't. Yeah. Wasn't a possibility. So. <clears throat> That was it. Bottom line. I mean, you know. Extreme. Yeah, it's 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 just a wild thought that like a lot of people I mean I, I think I think about like you know you know that, that I know that are about that age. I mean I got I got nephews that are that are that are around the same age that we were when we were deployed and I you know I just, I just don't know if I can see them doing those, uh, those, those things. But again, we had very specific training. You know, we were treated a lot differently than you know somebody who was that same age who was not in the military, right? Yeah. Like we, a lot more is expected of us, right? We have to have that attention to detail. You know, we have to have the uh, enough intelligence to be able to make those like those split decisions. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a lot. Yeah. Man. I got my, uh, my one and only, um, confirmed one and only, uh, that same, that same night. That's well, the next morning, actually. Oh yeah. yeah what, fucking, what was the deal with that one? Well, the 203, man, I was, uh, so at this point I was a grenadier. Um, I had graduating from graduated from being the radio guy. I was actually, they made me a, a machine gunner again. I got, I got, uh, I got moved from the radio to the machine gun as a corporal. I got I got my promotable status, so they made me a corporal. And then I remember first Sergeant Salinas asking uh, Oh, Wild Bill, like, uh, "Hey, what's a corporal doing on a radio?" Roger that, uh, first Sergeant. I'll change that back to being a machine hmm. machine gunner. It's like okay, but that was when we were doing hands across the desert, so I never really got to do anything fun with it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I just around, huh? Just hearing it and look, taking cool pictures, pretty much, yeah. And actually, all the pictures came out looking goofy. Um, <laughs> but uh, so then, right before Baton Rouge, I was uh, I was made a, a grenadier and the the Bravo team leader of that of that squad. And um, yeah, man. So we were up on this fucking rooftop. They gave me this two hundred three. Now, the only time I've ever shot a two hundred three was paint rounds, and it was when I was in base. That was it. Mm. Um, I had no idea what a fucking quad site was or a leaf site, and this one didn't have one. <laughs> so it was just oh, a fucking man. tube on the bottom of this M16A4. I was like, okay, I'll figure that out. But like, we're on the rooftop overwatching that intersection that you're talking about, and uh, or thereabout. And uh, it, you know, it, daylight is we moved in October 1st, right at midnight, so for Baton Rouge, and then um. You know, up on this rooftop, and uh, the squad is—we're all up there. And this dude starts shooting from across the way. I think I talked about this in one of the first episodes, actually, um, first or second one. But like, dude is in a room on the third floor, um, third window. I'm sorry, middle window, one, two, three windows. He's in the middle one, but he was shooting from the back of the room. He, he was recessed, so he couldn't get a clear shot at him. And that's mm. a really smart tactic. Like, you don't want to like just put your gun out the window because, bam, there you are. Yeah, a lot of good snipers do that. Yeah, so he's 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 taking these shots at us, and like the bullets are cracking and snapping and and, and impacting and, and whatnot. And uh, 
and nobody can get a clear shot on him. But I was the only grenadier on the roof. And I was like, fuck it, man. Like, why not put a grenade in that room? And so I, you know, at the time we were in Germany, old P. Diddy and I would go out and play pool sometimes. And he, he was teaching me how to play pool. And so I, I, I was bad at math, but like pools, a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of geometry and yeah. um, angles and shit. And so thanks to that, you know, I was able to kind of look at like, okay, so this is how long the tube is. And like, that's the distance, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just fucking kind of lined it up, man. And I was like, okay, so I'm thinking the arch will come out looking like this. This, That's what the trajectory should look like. Mm-hmm. And so I fucking put it about where I think it should be. And I fucking launch it, man. That first round, I shit you not, man. First round, direct impact. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. That that I did not have that kind of luck with that two or three um all the time. There was a couple times where I definitely overshot. <laughs> yeah. No, we we used to use dumb shit too though, man. I used to see how many rounds I could get in the air uh before the first one impacted. So I used to like max elevate the gun pretty much point it straight up and just keep firing them until the first one impacted. It's like ah I think my record was like four four in the air while uh before the first one impacted. Jesus. Yeah, I was almost a Mark 19, man. Almost. Yeah, I was gonna say you're almost a Mark 19. <laughs> uh, I, obviously, I didn't. Just, I didn't just go do that willy nilly, right? Like, I'm not just out, out there just launching grenades at you know at random shit. Like these were in gunfights. I was still engaging the target. Yeah. It's just you know, and, and my rounds were impacting in those particular cases uh, where they needed to impact. Uh, just for clarification, there. Like, I'm not just like you know going fucking gun nuts but yeah yeah man um you know so that was your first one yeah and it's my only confirmed one i mean that thing up on the the oda house where the sf dude had me put like 40 rounds of 762 armored piercing into an apartment building probably tagged a few folks but you know who knows mm-hmm. you, you never get confirmation on that on that but um yeah but uh I yeah had a, i had a couple i had a few yeah, I was kind of surprised. Uh, we didn't, um, you know, we're running with Sergeant Gill Squad, man. He's he's going to have you in the spiciest positions, and man, if your head ain't on a swivel, you're going to miss something. And I think we caught a RPG team, team, yeah. team yeah. of dudes. And uh, I think I had one other one, and then I had a couple of other engagements in the Bradley. But that first one, I guess I blocked out. I guess the only that, but that one that I, I remember the most is the one I think re- regarding Sergeant Golf's track. Yeah. Well, that one was that sounds definitely more personal. the The first one, it makes sense to kind of block that one out just because of, you know, how your brain processes um, potentially traumatic events. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, and that's 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 actually a pretty normal thing. It's so there's and it, on combat talks about that too, but it's like a form of like temporary amnesia. But um, that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to recover. Um, all of the memory, uh, unless it's jogged, right? Unless something brings it back, or, or you know, something specific happens, or whatever. But um, that is that is interesting that that happened to you. I, I, I don't. You really need to read that book, man, because like I'm telling you, a lot of the things that happened that I remember experiencing, like slow motion. Um, uh, another cool one that I always thought was cool um, was an auditory exclusion. You know, if you go to the gun range and just practice shooting, whatever, put in ear pro, right? Because you don't want your ears ringing. Yeah. But when you're deployed, 
obviously like we would wear them when we when we could but when you're in the the, the heat of the moment like you're you, when you're in a fight man you need to be able to hear you know, commands everything. you need to be able to yeah, hear like everything yeah right and so you can't always have hearing protection in and not me wrong i have hearing loss now um uh but my ears were never really ringing after a firefight and so your your body does this this uh, your brain does this really cool trick where it does um like it's it's basically a, a form of sensory exclusion right so like if if a sense isn't exactly needed in a specific moment then your brain can terminate it you know what i mean um, it's, and so, uh, for example, folks like uh, those of you who drive Dodge cars, you have like cylinder deactivation. If you're not really, uh, if you don't need all the power right now, it's going to redirect you to other spots. Mm-hmm. Same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. No, it's a, it is it's a, it's a really neat trick, man. Um, so they've done studies, right? A person in a, in a dark room, um, you know, and and there are. You know, you, you can stand in a dark room and you can hear a sound and you can hear a pin drop, but that's because your brain is adapting. Your brain says, well, I can't see anything, so we need to increase the juices elsewhere. So mm-hmm. I watched this, uh, man, I cannot remember the doctor's name. Was, I think she was a psychologist or I, I can't remember. But basically she was, she was uh, learning to navigate um, an obstacle using uh, echolocation like Batsu. There are blind folks that can do that. Yeah. And, um, and she was wondering, well, is it possible for humans to learn, not humans, but like people who are not visually impaired to learn how to do that? Turns out you can. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was an average of 17 uh, uh, attempts at the course before you got somewhat decent at it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me what the brain does, um, in those situations. And, uh, that book, I'm telling you, like, <clears throat> it, it really breaks it all down. It's good shit. Good, good shit. Soup. Good soup. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man. Body's a wild thing. For sure, dude. Uh, yeah, I like, I like, honestly, I, I, people ask me like, oh, man, do you like reading? It's like, I hate reading. Unless it's about something interesting, man. Like I can't read fiction. You know what I'm saying? I can't read like fake stories and try try and sit there and imagine what the world's going on. I can't even focus on a fucking paragraph to the end of it. You know what I'm saying? You no, (laughs) no, you no. Take that shit the fuck out of here. Um, I can read psychology books though because that shit that shit grabs me. You know what I'm saying? Like that that interests me. Um, I can read military type books, man. Um, Inside Delta Force is one of my favorite books, and that book actually got my fucking heart rate up. You read a lot of things, man. You read a lot. You talk about a lot of things you read. You know what I read? Like uh-huh. uh, books about musicians. Yeah. I think uh, reading about those stories from the dudes back in the 60s and 70s and all kind of shit, I think that shit's fucking cool as hell, man. I don't you know, know why, wild. man. It's just fucking cool. Like, uh, um, I think the last book I read was actually uh, Scar Tissue by uh, Anthony Kiedis. Mm-hmm. crazy stories you know yeah. it's uh to me that's more interesting than a lot of the crap out there now i mean it's just it's what i like yeah. you know yeah yeah i mean i like reading about real shit man um mm-hmm. 
but I'm, you know, I think I mentioned this before. I'm a little ADD, so you know, trying to keep my attention for too long is 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 pretty difficult. Um, and I'm always fidgeting and doing something. You know, what I'm saying like this whole time, like I've been like wrapping my towel around my hand, like I'm make, like I'm like like in uh, what was that movie with uh, Jean Claude Van Damme, Bloodsport or whatever the fuck it was, like wrapping oh, his fist, and, yeah, and dipping it in the glass. Actually, I yeah. think a better comparison would be in Hot Shots Part Two, where Charlie Sheen's character is dipping him in. What was it like? Fucking honey or some shit and sprinkles. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, that's my kind of fight, man. <laughs> uh, constantly fidgeting, man. But like, yeah, I don't know, man. I I don't really care to read about... I, and I say this as a big fan of uh, music and, um, and I used to play music uh, pretty regularly. I don't really read about their stories. I don't, I don't know what it is, man. I don't care. Um, I think it's no, and I, and I say that, but like there are some dudes out there who, and I'm sure that book uh, Scar Tissue with Anthony, by Anthony Kiedis, man, I'm sure, man, like there is like some some shit in there that inspired a lot of the the art that he wrote. Um, but what makes Anthony Kiedis any different from anybody else? Nothing really. He can sing. I mean, he's dude's a piece of shit to be honest. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, to, I'm gonna I'll read the shit. And I'll give you the truth, like about what I actually think about it. He's like a fucking jerk, no, a fucking asshole, and the fact that he made it this far is nuts. Huh. Wild, wild life he had, and and the uh, the kind of situations they put himself in and uh, made it through. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a proper title for that fucking book and song. It's like get your shit together. How many yeah. times? How many? How many chances do you need to? I guess, and it's kind of a wake-up call for, for me because I'll read it every now and then just to, so I, like, get a real grasp of how fucked up things can actually be because it's it's important to um, just, you, 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 I'm sorry, what? Is it important to, like, be reminded or to kind of yeah. be kept grounded? Yeah, you got to stay grounded because he, yeah. he, he, way too many chances, man, and, and in my particular life, I'm like, Fame be damned, you can still really fuck this up really, really bad and mm-hmm. affect a whole lot of people in a really negative way and still somehow make really good music that people love and still keep it to yourself where nobody knows that you're going through like addiction, heavy duty. And there's probably some people out there listening right now going through the same shit. Like, Dude, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm not saying like I've been through some crazy shit because fuck, I've been through some crazy shit. But it it's it's okay, dude. Like Yeah. Man. It's crazy. But yeah, it's man. okay. You you you'll be, be okay. Like reach out to folks and talk to them. Yeah. Uh you know, that's that's one thing that I don't ever talk about. Um um <clears throat> you know, I I talk about it as far as like you know, if you see a buddy in need, obviously jump in and help out, whatever, blah blah blah. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't talk about my own like uh, problems with like with suicide. Um, I because you know, I've I've definitely been there, right? Like I I have I've been to that point where like yeah, no, there's no reason at all for me to be alive right now. Uh, might as well just go ahead and fix that problem. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, a couple times, and um, 
I'll tell you, man, like the, uh, everybody has a thing, right? Like, and I think it's important to, that you have your thing that keeps you grounded in some way, whatever that thing may be, right? It doesn't matter what it is. Something you keep in your pocket, a necklace that you wear, a fucking book that you have to read all the time uh, to be, you know, to, 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 to kind of like look back on those stories and kind of like a, a reminder of something. Cause you think about like all of these things, whatever it is, they are constant reminders that like shit can be worse. I'm not alone and there is no reason for me to have these thoughts and follow through with it. And for me, yeah. um, those two things or that, that one thing, those, those couple of times, uh, was my dog Shotzi. My, the one, the one thing that the, that, uh, the one thought that I had, cause I mean, again, ADD thoughts are all over the place. Even when you're talking about like fucking putting a gun in your mouth and blowing your brains out. I was like, well, how would I do it? And I go through this whole process. Well, I'm not going to hang myself. That sounds painful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, that sounds painful. But fucking quick and painless, right? Bam. Right through the head. You know, blow the, blow the, the front part of your face up the back. And then I got to thinking about myself. I was like, okay, well, where, where in my home, at the time I lived in an apartment, um, I was like, where in here would I do it? Because I don't want to, like, cause any damage you know what i'm saying like i don't want to like have them like rip up the carpet even though this place was like crummy as shit anyway and the carpet definitely needed to go probably would have been doing them a favor you were dead what would have that have even fucking mattered because i did I, because because exactly you know exactly it's i i didn't want to inconvenience people um it's a thing man like it's i i made that decision when i was uh six and a half years old on the way back from my oldest brother's funeral um that i that if i could then i, I would never if I could make people happy when they were sad, then that's what I would do. And if uh, if I was ever any uh, an, an an inconvenience or a way that I could make somebody more comfortable, then I would you know blah 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 whatever the fuck anyway. And that's a whole other story. But um, so I went through this whole thought process. Like, well, fuck it, man. I'll I'll just uh, sit on the edge of the bathtub, the gun in my mouth, blast my fucking uh, my my uh, you know basically separate my my fucking. Uh, you know, spinal cord from the base of my head, my brain. Mm-hmm. Bam, de- I'm dead. Bullet probably goes through the fucking the sheetrock. They can replace that pretty easily, and the rest of it's just wash it down the drain. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like easy peasy. Then you know, a month later, somebody's moving in. Like nothing happened. Um, <laughs> not, probably not even that long. Like two two weeks tops. Um, but then I got to thinking about like my fucking dog. I was like, well, fuck, man, like. What if somebody doesn't hear the gunshot and she's left in this apartment for over a day or two and I don't get to feed her? She's a puppy at the time. Well, I want her in here licking up my fucking chunks. And I want her in here laying at, you know, the lifeless body fucking all sad because that's what dogs do because dogs are amazing and we don't deserve them. Um, and that's the one thing that sought me. Uh, pretty much the same thing with the, the next time because I was living in California and uh, depressed man fucking hated life uh, had nowhere to go except uh, you know where I was and at that point I was like okay well if I do it out here like man like who's going to take care of my dog you know so and I, I couldn't do that to her so you know um, but I'll tell you that was the last time because that that moment like it really put things into perspective in my life it got me thinking about shit man um, it made me realize like I called my mom the next day actually and tried to sound as normal as possible and she just heard it in my voice she's like Kevin what's wrong and I tried to be like nothing nothing everything's good but I fucking broke down like a little bitch and so <laughs> yeah yeah man 
moms always do know. And so we got my situation figured out and I came home to Arkansas and uh, I got my shit straight. I got my fucking my brain in the right place. You know what I'm saying? I started putting my focus elsewhere yeah. and um, on, on, on staying more positive, on trying to be more mindful, um, trying to be more aware of, of how I'm making other people feel and then how other people are making me feel. Cause that's, that's a whole other part of it too, man. Like sometimes we don't want to let go of things, but we have to, because those things are what's holding us down or what's holding us back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes, man, you just got to fucking cut ties and it sucks, you know, but that's what it is. You have to do what's best for you. Yeah. You, know? you got to think of it as a rebirth, almost like you were, you, mm-hmm. You didn't carry out, but you got to restart now. Yep. Because you can't continue to go down that way that you've been going. <clears throat> and, you know, as a police officer, man, I've been to a lot of suicide calls. Yeah. And the first thing that uh, the first good training officer had told me about suicide calls is he always says, uh, suicides suck. Make sure you don't leave a mess. Because somebody else has to clean that shit up. Because we're always there to clean that shit up. And we're always there to have to tell the families. Which is really a fucking terrible thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, your uncle is hanging from a tree. Uh, he's gone. It's a rough fucking job, man. Yeah. Like, uh, Fuck that. I, I don't know how many times I've had to, to make a, a death notification call to a family. Just to explain, I mean, I don't know. I can't explain what happened. I have no clue what happened. He's fucking, he went through a lot of shit. He or she, or they, in some cases, went through a lot of shit and decided to call it a day. And I'm just telling you that it happened. Mm-hmm. And it, I've been through that conversation so many times where people break down. I sat on a boat with a dead body once. Uh, just waiting for the uh, son to show up so he can pour him and his father a drink. He clanked the drink, you know, had his last drink with his dad who was hanging from his fucking thing. And he leaves, you know. Some people react in a different way. Yeah. It's nuts. But it's always the same, man. It's a fucking mess. Somebody's got to clean it. Never fails. In those moments, man, what a. What do you think it was that kind of like helped you maintain your composure though? It's a job. And yeah. I think that's what kind of soured me a little bit on police work was mm. it was a job. Like uh I've seen a lot of horrible stuff in the army, like shit you can't even explain. Mm-hmm. And then you see even more horrible shit with police stuff. Police people always ask like is police work and army work, military combat type shit, the same? It is not the fucking same. You cannot compare the two. People always say you can. You can't. Even the guys who are military and police who say it's the same thing, they're fucking lying. I mean, maybe they're trying I'll to make that. Why. They're trying to make that like that connection or that justification in their head. No, you know no. I mean, sure, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't give a fuck about that. It's money. It's the money's the difference between the two. Because money will stop somebody from trying to save somebody because they don't want to lose their paycheck. Mm. Military, you're going to fucking go and that's it. 
Yeah. So you can never compare. To me, having been in both situations, in both houses, wearing two different hats, military, I mean, the police is nothing like the military. Yeah. Plus, you can always go home at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. I think, but man, I've seen, I've seen like horrible shit from humans. I think even worse in, in the police side of the house because it's on purpose and it's fucking malicious and dark and crazy. Well, I think there's, you know, that, that, that makes logical sense though. Cause you think about it when you're deployed to combat, like it's expected to see yeah. horrible shit. But when you're patrolling the streets that uh, of the town that you're from, or that's the town that you've been to a billion times, or you know whatever, yeah, you know that that's a different reality uh, than what you're used to. Um, yeah, man, that's gotta. And over time, man, that that has to. Uh, I think you use the word sour. Um, that would have to like, like you know just kind of n- numb you to yeah. to to those things. Um, and, you know, it gets to the point where it's just like, you know, it's, it's just as casual as saying good morning to somebody, you know, on your way to work, whatever, uh, yeah. be- because it's, it's, like it's frequent. Frequent, man. It's like rape reports. Like, hmm. can you imagine you're sitting there interviewing someone who just went through or at some point went through the most traumatic shit you can possibly have to happen to you as a human? And now I need you to tell me exactly what happened. Right. Step by step. Yeah. Don't leave out any detail. I need to know all of it. Right. And it, and, and that has to be done as soon as possible. Yeah. And I'm going to try to find the person who did this thing. I'm going to try to find this person. Right. Okay. I'm going to make you feel like crap. Tell me the story again. And then I'm going to try to find him. Right. Good luck with everything. Right. You know, crazy. Yeah, no, when I went through uh, MP reclass, uh, you know, all, all of our instructors or most of our instructors were civilian law enforcement. And, you know, and I, I, I'd, I've asked several officers this in the past <clears throat> before, but um, one of the things, one of the classes that we had, that we had um, you know, was about, you know, what to do when you come up on situations like rape um, or you know, children. Uh, be abuse oh, or you know sexual abuse or whatever and you know i remember asking the question i mean i i, I you know i i have to give all the props to any law enforcement officer who can walk into that scenario <clears throat> or find the person who is guilty of it and not want to beat the absolute fuck all out of that person because i don't know that i don't I don't have that in me to not do that. Been there, done that, man. Mm-hmm. Five minutes left. Five minutes left in this. Yeah, no, I would. Yeah, been uh, there and done that, and and uh, it takes restraint, like, uh, like it restraint, like you wouldn't believe, because you know the story is true. Yeah, you know everything. You've seen this the little girl. Yeah, you everything this little girl and this little boy is telling you is true. That's what he did, mm-hmm. and he's just standing there. It's like, phew. yeah, it takes a lot, man. Yeah. Oof. And especially considering what makes it more difficult for me is I think that I would be okay with it if I knew that the uh, justice system fair in that regard. But for yeah. a pedophile to get like, you know, three years probation time served, blah, blah, blah. No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. 
if they I, I honestly I feel like if they are found guilty it, in the courtroom right there ask one of the family members do you guys want to do this or do you want us to do it you want us to do it okay fine bam dead if oh wait you, the family wants it to be slow and painful by all means no they deserve absolutely no remorse you know what i'm saying like no no uh no reprieve like no fuck that yeah if you pray always... if you pray on the the weak and the defenseless and the old or the young yeah mm-hmm. those kind of calls are always the ones they kind of and i suppose at some point i might get into some of them in the best way i possibly can on the show but yeah uh yeah, those are always the ones that make you really second guess. Like, is this fucking shield uh, worth it? Yeah. When dealing with this, yeah, it's great dealing with the, like saving these people from it happening. But man, when you're sitting in the car with the guy who did it, oof. Yeah. Your skin crawls, you itch. Oof. It's hard to focus. I mean, yeah, I couldn't do it. I, tr- I mean, I, I tried. I definitely, you know, went out for to be an officer, tested and all that stuff, and was offered the job. Uh, but uh, later on, I was offered the job, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I was on. I came down on orders to mobilize, <clears throat> so I didn't take the job. But in, in looking back on it, man, like I don't know, man. I don't know that I could do it, and especially with the you know the the, the way things are in America now, you know, with all this defund the police and cops are bad, a cab right, one three one two, all that fucking bullshit. <clears throat> Um, it's all a bunch of goofy bullshit, man. It is. It is all a bunch of goofy bullshit. Um, it just, it it, blo- it really does blow my mind how all these people are just going to be cop haters. But you know, the moment that their fucking well being is threatened, they are Johnny on the spot with that nine one one call. Yeah. Yeah. But that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. Like that's so people are always going to be like that. Those are opinions. Yeah. You know, opinions yeah. are you know abundant. But the facts are, like, you're going to see some really fucked up shit, and you're going to really question humanity in some cases. Yeah. And you just got (laughs) to do nothing but suck it up and drive on and go to the next call or go to sleep. Yeah. And so that's the other (laughs) thing, man. Like, your shift comes to an end. Or, you know, this happens at the beginning of your shift. You take that, you haul that motherfucker off to county or some bullshit, and there you are, back on the street, having... And your next your next call, you pull somebody over who's an absolute fucking Karen, just giving you shit because she was going 15 over the speed limit through a school zone, yeah. and she doesn't seem to understand why the fuck you're pulling her over, not knowing that just before that you had responded to one of those fucking calls, and you're still trying to process it. Well, I mean, it's wild. It's no absolutely shit. wild. Like I watched the kid die in the hospital. Like uh, these 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 doctors work on him, die right on the table right back out there on the street right back yeah. to the next call like man and then like i said try to go to sleep after <laughs> yeah good luck yeah well, man. it's fucking it's fucking wild this episode I, was heavy yeah it was i think we might have to put one of the warnings on it yeah trigger warning yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm so, well. <laughs> thanks for listening to Before I Forget Sorry about for all kind of wild that. stuff. 
Yeah. No, no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. No, it is. You're right. You need You're... to get it off your chest. I need to get it off mine. No, absolutely, man. And people that listen need to know that they can get it off theirs. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So uh, like, listen, subscribe, share, and uh, thank you, and have a good day. Yeah, we'll see you on the uh, see you see you the next time. See you around the corner. What do they say? Catch you on the flippy floppy. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right.